Hey friends, it's Melvin. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Here's just a few quick things I wanted to notify you guys about before we get started. First up, very soon, new episodes will be releasing Wednesday mornings rather than Tuesday. So don't panic if you don't see a new episode on Tuesday. Just wait a little longer and you'll see it in your feed. Second, we've introduced a mailbag. Check those show notes and toward the bottom you'll see a mailbag link. You'll then be able to text us any questions you might have about movies, the movie industry, or any movie-slash-Christian-related questions you might have. Then we'll respond in a future episode, so send us your questions now. Up next, Patreon polls, which are available to Patreon supporters at the $3 tier or higher, have been updated. Supporters can now suggest films or shows to be reviewed at the end of each month. The two most liked submissions will become the options for the Patreon poll, so if you want to hear us talk about your favorite movie or show, join our Patreon and start campaigning. And lastly, whether you're a new or long-time listener, please consider writing a review or rating the Cinematic Doctrine podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Apart from financially supporting on Patreon, these are the two most helpful ways to support the show. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. So I guess we only have like two weeks left of Andy May, uh, but we are still going strong because we are going to be talking about another uh, franchise, I guess, at this point. Um, we did Very Neon Genesis franchise. last week. Yeah, and this one, even though it's not as old as Neon Genesis, it's definitely similar to it in, I think, th- more themes than than anything. Um, but it is uh, definitely, uh, we'll get into the specifics of why I love this so much, but definitely more my preference. I love this way more. Mm. Um, but before we get into that, uh, if you are just tuning in, um, there won't be, uh, when we do Let's Talks, we don't really have, we don't start episodes with Patreon discussion stuff, although we sometimes do plan for things. And we did. Uh, there's going to be extra, so we're talking about the Madoka Magica franchise, Puella Magi, Madoka Magica. Um, and we're going to do the show and its sequel movie. We are uh, going to also, so we're going to start it with no spoilers. And then we're going to have a transition in the middle, which will be for Patreon supporters only, where I talk about several manga that i read just a few um, yeah, it is so much <laughs> i literally just finished like one of the last ones like 40 minutes before we started recording um i reread it i was really excited for that and that's gonna be for patreon supporters only so if you support on patreon for three dollars a month at the cinematic doctrine patreon patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine uh you get access to all this stuff um and uh any past episodes with extra content they're all yours as well so check that out. It's sometimes upwards of 40 minutes. The last episode was an hour of extra content just for wow. listeners, which was nuts. A lot of, <laughs> yeah. a lot of editing on that one. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. But all that to say is, uh, yeah, stick around and uh, support on Patreon and get that extra stuff. But yeah, we're here to talk about Puello Magi, Madoka Magica. This is, well, let me describe it. This is a magical girl anime from 2011. Uh, an original anime wasn't based on a manga. It is about, uh, in short, about one character, Madoka, who has been offered by this little creature to become a magical girl. The creature says, make a wish. I can grant it. Doesn't matter what it is. And then you become a magical girl and you have to fight witches. But there's a new mysterious magical girl who says, don't do it or makes her promise not to do it and keeps trying to prevent it. And so happens the rest of the things. I'll get into more specifics 
uh, momentarily. But I'm extremely curious, extremely curious to know, Melanie, what you first thought of us doing this when mm-hmm. I pitched it to you like a month and a half ago and said, we're going to do this magical girl anime. <laughs> what were your um, thoughts? <laughs> I I wasn't sure because I, I am familiar with like this whole magical girl kind of world. So growing up, I had Sailor Moon and then I mm-hmm. had Cardcaptor Sakura. Um, so there was some like idea that, oh, it's probably going to be very cutesy, very girly. Um, but then I'm like, but Melvin really loves it. (laughs) So, and I don't mean to say this is not a negative towards you, Melvin, but I was like, (laughs) there might be something really twisted about this. (laughs) And so like, there just has to be something about it that grabs his attention. What's the catch? (laughs) Exactly. But I'm like, but as I'm watching like the first few episodes, I'm like, oh, I guess this is just all it is. (laughs) And then some other things happen, and I was like, oh, now I know why he likes this show. Okay, let's keep going. But yeah, so my first thoughts were were not very – I was not very excited. But I was willing to try something new because, um, yeah, I just – you know, just to see where it, where it all goes. And um, yeah, those are my first thoughts. And I'm kind of glad that I was wrong, <laughs> at least in that it's not just a – a girly magical girl show it has it has a lot more to it and you were spot on that there was in fact a catch so yes <laughs> that's right. yeah. uh if you are a fan of Madoka magica you are familiar with this you know the experience of saying to somebody this show's great and then they respond to you it has i've only watched two episodes it's very boring yeah and you tell them finish the third episode right just keep going <laughs> i'm pretty sure for a solid two weeks uh, we had talked it, and you had said, yeah, I just started it. I'm still in episode one. And then I talked to you again. And you're like, I think I fell asleep. I'm going to start it over again. So you're rewatching <laughs> episode one again. Yeah. And I'm like, just like, oh, my gosh. And I know. Like- you were so patient. It <laughs> took me forever to actually just like keep watching it because I really was just not interested. And then I felt bad. <laughs> so I was like, oh, Melvin just loves this so much. And I'm really not liking it. Literally, the last several recordings, whenever we're done, we're like, talking about what's up next on the podcast and i'm like and i just hope you like monica i really hope yeah. you do. Um, a lot of pressure, which is Roman, like a lot of the wrong th- yeah i know it's the <laughs> it's like the one carnal sin of being a fan of something is telling somebody i love this so much because then they feel obligated and then they don't oh, like yeah. it and then they never tell you and then no but uh, then it, i think there was a point when i knew i was just like it's just it's got to happen and it was when you said you were on episode three you were going to finish the show in like one sitting another day or two later. And I was like, oh, they never finished episode three. That's why they're not interested yet. And then like three days later, I get a text. Holy crap, Melvin, what the heck just happened? (laughs) And I show it to my wife and I said, see, this happens every time (laughs) I tell somebody about this show. Yeah, it was it was just so unexpected. It's like just a very sharp left. Yes. And I was like, okay, there's something is wrong. And then I started to become without spoiling anything. You just start to become very suspicious of the people that are involved, why all of this is happening, it just becomes a lot more interesting. And it's a shame that something that crazy had to take place in order (laughs) for me to become interested. I started questioning myself. I'm like, am I, is there something wrong with me? (laughs) 
that I'm like, oh, <laughs> now it's interesting. Um, but no, it's there's just a lot more to the show, and you kind of, and I think that's that's what happens with a lot of TV shows generally, like the pilot episode and maybe like the first few episodes. It's like eh, it's okay, but yeah. you kind of like it. Um, you you kind of have to let it build and you have to just like hang on and, and like hope that it gets better. And, and for this show, I think it definitely got a lot better. Yeah. To give more specifics on the show without getting into spoilers, because this is a show very clearly structured where every three episodes, it's 12 episodes in total. It's on Hulu right now. Um, it's basically been on Crunchyroll forever, but um, every three episodes is a new revelation to the story. And what starts as um, this big epic scene where a character is off in the distance fighting a monster and Kyubei is telling uh, Madoka, like, because Madoka is worried. She's like, this character is going to die if I don't help. And Kyubei is like, you can make a wish and you can become magical and help him. And, and then Kyubei is the little creature. That- Kyubei, yes. If you look at the intro, like every, every uh, as all magical girl animes do, there's always the little mascot character. Kyubei is this one. And it's like a mixture between like a cat and a mouse. Madoka wakes up. And she's like, oh, this thing, I was, this battle I was envisioning, it was a dream. She goes through a day. And then her and her friend Sayaka, uh, who are, as all uh, characters in, in um, anime do, they go to school and they end up going to the mall and they end up, uh, Monica ends up hearing this voice, Monica, Monica, save me. And Monica runs off into the like back rooms of the mall and finds Kyubei and Kyubei's all beaten up. And then this mysterious magical girl falls in the sky and stands there and says, do not make a contract with this creature. Don't listen to it. Don't trust it. Um, Sayaka then grabs a, a, in a scene that makes me laugh all of the time, uh, grabs a fire extinguisher and shoots it at this magical girl, throws the fire extinguisher at this person inside of the, the <laughs> thing, which I think is just really funny. Yeah. And they end up running away. And then they, the animation gets really weird and there are cotton balls with mustaches, real cotton balls with mustaches, uh, mustaches and flowers and like weird imagery. It looks like something out of a carnival and it turns out they've stumbled into a witch's labyrinth um, because in this world there are these labyrinths created by these monstrous creatures called witches. And if you're a human who stumbles into them, you're probably going to die. Not unless a magical girl shows up and a magical girl saves them named Mommy. M-A-M-I, although she does very much take a a maternal role, so the name is quite fitting. Um, And uh, so begins the rest of the story as Sayaka and Madoka travel with Mommy to see what it's like to become a magical girl because Kyubei has said to the two of them, both of you could become magical girls. Make a wish with me. I will grant it, whatever you want, uh, and you can then spend the rest of your life fighting witches. Uh, and yeah, like you said, the first two episodes, two and a half episodes are pretty standard magical girl show. And then the final scene of the third episode very much throws you into left field. Uh, and now you're, you're really beginning to understand what's going on. Although Mm -hmm. you're really, I wish I should really say this. You're beginning to realize how little you know about this world. Exactly. Um, And it's a, it is a magical girl series that is very well aware of people who even haven't watched magical girl shows, but know about them. And it, it makes it a really good hook that takes a while to get started. Um, but I think it's to the show's benefit and, uh, makes it quite enjoyable. Definitely. It seemed very, 
And I know it's not your favorite word, but it seems very <laughs> intentional. I did write a note that has that word in it. I don't know where it Excellent. is, but it's somewhere <laughs> regarding this franchise. It's, it's, yeah, no, it's it was definitely very intentional. And even it's actually one of the the things that I I wasn't sure if I liked it, but towards the end, I actually did. I like the contrast between reality and a witch's labyrinth, and how the changes are made through mm-hmm. this drastic change in animation. Um, things are usually very flat. You kind of feel like you walked into like a twisted carnival ride, <laughs> you know, like different yeah. variations of one. It's very like a soft it's very, puppet like yeah, stage where it's there's very like paper fascinating. everywhere. Yeah. But even just and I, and I know that we might get into it later, just the, the reason why they would kind of like revert. Um, everything seems very childish in a witch's mm-hmm. labyrinth. So everything is very. Um, brightly colored, very playful, very Dan- sweet. Dangerously whimsical. <laughs> yes. Like that, yeah. that's a great way to describe it. Dangerously yeah. whimsical. So you're, it, so there's, there's even purpose behind that. And so I kind of like, I like, I like the fact that you could go back, you could watch it again and just catch new things about the show that you didn't mm-hmm. see the first time. And it kind of enriches the experience. So yeah, you walk into this witch's labyrinth and there's candy everywhere, but also, doctor needles like yes (laughs) like amongst the rappers and it's like what what's this world and it's extremely interesting and and the physics seems to change there's like a time when monica stumbles into a witch's labyrinth and it starts stretching her but it like stretches her in like a way that like if it was the real world she would have died already and so it's like super bizarre and and it makes it really interesting so at at a surface level the show is visually extremely wonderful up until even the last like three episodes are like amazingly animated borderline movie quality it is insane how good the the show looks um and uh pretty much the quality is consistent throughout the music is equally as wonderful yes i loved the music in the show all bangers (laughs) so catchy (laughs) and and what i also love too is the their fighting motif that they that they would always have so mm-hmm. like each scene especially well it's it's the more obvious scene where the music changes is when like they're gearing up and they're getting ready to battle it out i just loved that background music it was interesting it was exciting and mm-hmm. um the intro is also very very the music for that is very catchy and so yeah i i wrote that as a note for myself i i really did think the music fit the show very very well yeah they really turned these I mean, magical girls are superheroes, but like yeah. these ones are superheroes. Like they are students by day fighting crime, monstrous witches' crimes at night. And like uh, they don't get enough sleep. It's a surprise mommy ever gets her homework done, but she does while everyone else is slacking off. And like it's um it's really impressive. And they they do that with the music too, where like later in the show, one of the themes you've heard in the beginning of the show. Uh comes back and it's like it's awesome like you're so excited it's Uh super cool and like yeah so the music really is used well um and on a surface level even like after the third episode the outro music changes because the entire Mm. like the tone of the show is shifting and be changing and and all of that really carries forward um as for like just the content of the show like it is 
really rich content. These characters, um, for me, like I, I was, I have to say this, this is my star Wars. This, this franchise is my Marvel. I literally feel wow. like I'm hanging out with friends again. Like I know these characters so well because they're so rich and not just because I read external material mm. because some, some stuff like star Wars, sometimes the characters are flat in the movies and they're, ex- they're expounded upon in their like, ex- like extra material. But like whenever I read the extra material, I never think I'm learning anything new to their characters because their characters are so well written in the original 12 episode anime. They're so mm. strong. You can describe every character. You can explain why certain events happen later on that yeah. we learn through revelations. Um, it's just, they're they're really rich. They're really strong. They're really fascinating. Um, they're also extremely. I I just feel really real characters. Um, they're yeah. all so relatable. Like they all seem like somebody you would know. Yeah. <laughs> like if if Melanie turned into a magical girl, I'm like, oh yeah, that would happen. <laughs> like that's that's how like that's who they are and what they, like it's all yeah. that. Like it's super super amazing. And so the the writing here is strong. I just wanted to add to what you were saying. I also like how the characters are consistent throughout the show. Yes. And then in as they're translated into or not translated, and then as you get into the films, they they feel the same. They don't feel that different. And the decisions that they're making also make sense for their characters, even totally. if totally. their personalities change or they've decided against something that they wanted to do or didn't want to do it's like it all makes sense it's all connected and you and you feel like the characters haven't betrayed you in some way i mean you can be disappointed or you can be excited about whatever the changes are happening but it still feels like them so Monica always feels like Monica you know Homer always yes. feels like Homer so i really i really appreciated that as well just that there was a consistency of character You may not know this, but the easiest way you can show your support for Cinematic Doctrine is to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. So press pause and share your thoughts. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And then press play again so you can hear the rest of the show. Yeah, the uh, writer is Jen Orobochi, who um, during the time of actually when this was being written um, or when it was coming out, people the the people behind the the show didn't want anyone to actually know he was writing it because his reputation is for writing extremely strong and also tragic narratives mm. um very like deep uh compelling worlds um but then they would always kind of have this ex- really really powerful uh emotional climax that's often tragic and um, at some point it came out during development that he was writing it and, and, uh, they were not going to have his name in the first few episodes of the credits because they didn't want it to come out until like a right. certain point later. Cause oh, his literal, his literal nickname is the butcher cause his ah! last name is Orobochi. So <laughs> no! it's like, so it was wow. like, it was a big deal when that came out. Um, so all that to say is it's just fun trivia for the time. Cause it, it puts the show into perspective. Cause yeah, you see all the artwork for it. It's all colorful. It's pastel. Every character is like a different color of the rainbow. <laughs> like, it's right. just, like it's so funny, but then, yeah, the show itself is so much, uh, more, um, yeah, I, I find the show completely rewatchable. Um, I have, 
obviously I love it. So I've rewatched it several times, but I would genuinely say the show is more rewarding the second time. It's one of very few pieces of material that is better the second time, not just like I enjoyed it more the second time. I mean, literally the story flows and feels better. You now go into it with new information that just makes moments that you otherwise were curious now extremely emotionally like sad and like in a good way. And it's, it's just a really well thought out, clearly constructed. You can imagine the the cork board that had all the lines set up where everything's prepared before it was finally put down to paper and then ultimately animated. But it is, it is, yeah, it's one of the single best things I've ever seen. Rewatching it was insane to me. So I'm, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I think this is great, but I'm trying to think if there's anything else to get into before we briefly talk about its sequel film, uh, Rebellion. Um, and we'll not do any spoilers on that either because we want to, this part is the pitching it to you section, uh, of which I wholeheartedly pitch it to you. So before we move on to Rebellion, all in all, good show. Do you like it? Was it worth it? I did like it. I did like it, but I find that I changed my mind. It's weird. For the show? or For the for... show. Okay. For the show, because it's like there's aspects of it that we've already talked about, and we'll talk about some more that I really enjoy. Um, but then towards – it's always the end. The end – this is what I will say. Because I, I feel like I'm even as I'm talking about it, I'm changing my mind. Gosh, <laughs> so, I love the ending ah! so much. So what I will say <laughs> is that the first time I saw the ending, I hated it. But wow, I really? Thought, what? I did because I was like, I don't understand. Why is this happening? Why did they I do saw that? this happen to you in real time? <laughs> right. Yes, you did. And oh so, my gosh. but as um, but as I took time to to think about it, to think about the characters, and even just doing like the notes for the show, certain pieces started to come together a little bit more fully for me. And I, and I think that I do like the ending more than I did. Gosh, it like kills me. This ending is so beautiful. It is very, it is very beautiful, but it's, it's also just sad. I say, you know what I mean? I know what you're talking about. So Um, I just, so that's the conflicting feeling I think I'm having. I'm just really, really sad that things had to resort this way. But at the same time, encouraged by the choices that were made. If that rhymed, I did not mean for that to rhyme. Did it you rhyme? could have said that might not be a crime. Uh, but you didn't. <laughs> so. I don't even. Sometimes I'm just even forgetting like the sentence that I said three like three seconds ago. I don't know what's wrong with me. Anyway, but those were <laughs> my my final thoughts. Yeah, I I think this ending is one of the single most beautiful endings in a story ever. I've obviously already said it. This is like one of my favorite stories ever. Um, but there's a reason for that. And I uh, I said this to Melanie, too, and I still stand by it. But I actually find a lot of and this will sound like really like if Monica episode three took you down left field, I'm taking you down right. Um, but I really feel like this show in so many ways really captures some of what it feels like to live the Christian life. That's very bizarre to say, um, especially about something so estranged as being like a, a magical girl anime about fighting witches and making a wish to a cat mouse creature that may or may not be evil. And like, but I, but I find that like the, the way that it explores and understands desire and self-destruction and like hope and, 
like even faith in ways. And then also the way in which like acceptance of reality and then like self-sacrifice, just the way like everything is explored and understood even up to the end is just so beautiful. And like, it just, it genuinely makes me then think of Jesus Christ. It is so like overt to me. Um, And so like in that way, like I just find it wonderful. And I know like some Mm. people might find that, that, that closeness that I have in my brain between like, you know, a fictional story written in 2011 and the Bible, but like I'm, focusing then on the bible and like i don't know there's just something really like there's just something super beautiful about this particular story um that like i just have not seen in another fiction in how it explores like just stuff that like i just feel like is so common to the to the christian Mm. experience and i think that's uh, like purposeful, especially when going into uh, the sequel film and even some of the spinoffs, uh, specifically one of the spinoffs that is set between the events of this show and the, the sequel film. But yeah, I, this, it is just amazing. I, I think it's so good, but anyways, I can keep geeking out about this forever, but it'll be easier with specifics. But first non-spoiler reactions to rebellion uh, because it is spoilers to explain rebellion We'll do similar to what we did with uh, describing our thoughts on End of Evangelion in the Neon Genesis episode. Um, let's stick to just feelings and experience and filmmaking. Melanie, how did you feel about Rebellion? And uh, yeah, what do you what do you think about it as a sequel? So, because when I initially watched it, I watched it with you and Kat after we had seen we started at like nine the last few episodes of the show because like I hadn't a, finished it yet, and like two then, hours long. Oh my gosh! So, so I was I had fallen asleep several times, and it's not because the movie was a bad movie; it was just late and I was tired. It was like last um, Friday, right? It was pretty. Yeah, like, and it was, it was the just end of a it week. was just a lot of yeah. It was the end of the week, a lot of content to go through. So by the time we hit the movie, I really didn't have a lot left in me. But I was able to watch a little bit of it again. I actually did that um, um, earlier today, and I I really liked it. Um, I don't know if I had the same um, strong passionate reactions that you do to the show <laughs> or to the movies. But I, no, but nobody, I love how you talk about it. Will. Right. You're just <laughs> nobody like, will ever I love your excitement, Melvin. I think it's great. <laughs> um, but I did, but I did enjoy it. I feel like I enjoyed it a lot more just being more awake and being able to concentrate on things. And I just, I feel like it was beautiful. It was beautifully animated. Um, I think that again, the characters were consistent, so they felt very familiar. I mean, you're able to, to jump into it. Um, pretty easily if you've seen the show you definitely need to see, see the show before you watch rebellion or it will be it, it will make no sense <laughs> yeah sometimes sometimes it's like you can hop in here or there with other things not with this mm-hmm. so you definitely need to see the show before you watch the movie and um i thought the intro i thought the fight scenes were really fun and exciting again i thought the music was really really great um i liked a lot of the surprises and the just like some of the things that took place that were unexpected. I really enjoyed that as well. And the transformations were different than they were on the, um, in the, then in the show, they like the have show. their own set piece. in Rebellion. Yeah. And I, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but I just wanted to say, I don't think it's a spoiler because it doesn't, 
take away from the movie and what happens in the movie. But I love how Sayaka was break dancing. Yeah. <laughs> for her transformation. <laughs> I was like, is she? Oh my gosh. That's that so made awesome. me laugh so hard. I was like, that is amazing ridiculously amazing she moves to the beat of her own drum (laughs) basically she's like y'all are gonna look cute and i'm gonna do this instead (laughs) so um it made me it made me love her more uh so yeah no i just i i thought i thought it all was was just done very very well and i like that again the the story is still interesting it's still captivating it comes at it from a different angle i i um i like that it wasn't just kind of regurgitating the same from the show i felt like there was it was a new not a new story but like a new angle and it could have been like a new season it's so it really could have been but i like that it was a movie not not another season me too um so yeah no it was great and then uh before i share my thoughts the ending what did you think what are you feeling about the ending the ending when I saw it the first time made no sense, but that was because I had fallen asleep and missed a lot. <laughs> so I was a little upset. I was like, this is a piece of crap. Um, but seeing it again and even just like reading, I think sometimes if I read a little bit about the show, it kind of helps enrich the experience of mm-hmm. what I what I have seen. Because I know that I don't always catch everything. There are many times things will just go right over my head. So um, I really... Uh, Knowing a little bit more about the characters and the show and even talking with you about it just helped me to really enjoy the the ending a lot more. Again, not satisfying in a way that I had hoped it would be, but it wasn't dissatisfying in that it was a bad ending. It just wasn't what I had hoped for. So, yeah, but it was good. <laughs> yeah. But it was Yeah, good. I saw, I remember when Rebellion was finally coming to the States because it had screened in the in japan then it got translated alamo i think it was alamo draft house got it so i went out to new york totally packed theater um and uh, the transformation scene you were telling you're mentioning they basically show each magical girl's transformation and it's super like it's like awesome it's like really exciting um they have their own like set piece and like different people in the theater whose favorite character was on screen would cheer during that particular transformation scene of course so it's super fun uh really just super engaged it was just a really fun experience uh i knew about the ending a little bit um before seeing the movie but if you do not know the ending um, you cannot predict it, <laughs> and part part that some people might call that a, a negative. We'll get into that when we get to our spoiler section. Um, but it is, I mean, it was silent, dead silent in the theater when the ending was happening. Um, it was one of the most engaged theater experiences I've ever had. Uh, wow. You could feel the room. People loved the movie um, the entire the entire time. Um, and uh, I, yeah, it's it's a good film uh if the show is like the world being explored um the movie is trusting that you understand it and now we're gonna have like basically a a noir movie a mystery noir movie where like the opening of the movie is immediately disorienting based upon the events of the final episode of the show and you'll be like what is going on and you will not know anything for like 20 minutes and then a character will go wait a minute this isn't right 
And then the rest of the movie is finally now where you're at, which is what's going right. on. And that becomes the mystery of that explores the, um, the world and, and this particular, these events that are going on. And, uh, it's great. It, it hits all the fan stuff that people wanted at the time, or like people were talking about, like, like, oh man, these characters are so rich and deep. I wonder what happened if these two characters did this, or what if these characters did that? And so in that sense, it has some similar parallels to how like, how the fans reacted to Neon Genesis was very much feeding the way Neon Genesis, um, its sequel movie, uh, was handled. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's just, there's so much to the movie to really enjoy, but it is also very, I don't even know what other word to use to say than it's very much. <laughs> there is so yeah. much on screen. Um, it is not as like insane emotionally um, as Neon Genesis, uh, the end of Evangelion, but is very similar in that there is constant imagery that will never be explained to you. You just sort of have to see it. And if you understand it, you'll get it. <laughs> and uh, mm. there are still things in the film that I don't totally get that are just like, like there's a scene at the end where it just shows the city, but in the sky is like a stone that's spinning around with a symbol on it. I don't know what that mm. is. <laughs> and, yeah. like, I kind of like not knowing. I, I really enjoy having like a lot of the pieces, but not the whole puzzle. And um, it's, but it's otherwise it's really great. Uh, the music was great in the show. I think the music is fantastic in the movie um, yeah the music it, is really good it is it is ominous it is curious it is uh i don't know it's just amazing so but yeah the way it explores its new world and characters here is uh is just something wonderful so i i totally recommend both of these um you will i genuinely would say you'll never experience any fiction like this uh ever again i know i've said there's parallels to neon genesis as we all have said uh on my anime list but like it it has some similar stuff but it is sets itself completely apart and then also if you're just a western guy who watches what well, normal stuff you definitely have never seen anything like this and so um it is it is a great first anime to check out, um, let alone just great anime you probably miss because at this point it's like twelve years old. So, mm. it, which blew my mind when I was like, "Oh my gosh, this movie, this show came out so long ago! <laughs> I can't believe it." So, but uh, I think before we get into spoilers, um, if you're supporting on Patreon, you're about to hear some cool stuff. If you're not supporting on Patreon, you're missing out on the stuff we're about to talk about because we're going to be talking about some manga. Um, but if you're if you're not going to do that, then know that we are going to get into spoilers immediately after. So, enjoying this episode? Grab that share link and tell your friends. Word of mouth is the most effective way for a podcast to reach new listeners. So don't be shy. Share the episode wherever you can. Okay, so official spoiler territory. I figure it'd be interesting to start with before getting to specifics. Well, I mean, we are getting to specifics, but what I mean is with the show, first off, how did your experience, like, how did your experience change and what changed it as you were watching the show? So spoilers, totally available, like specifics, because no doubt something changed while watching it because everything changes in the show as it keeps going. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, so it took me so long to really just keep watching the show because the beginning was just very slow. It was very, um, I just, I, I wasn't really feeling a connection to any of these characters just yet. And I did, mm. um, even just the scene where Homura 
So anyway, you see her doing all of these things. And in my mind, I'm like, she's, she's attacking Cube for a reason. And there was just something about that where I really didn't trust Cube a hundred percent. And I'm like, it's really stupid that these girls are going to consider taking a wish from him without even really knowing what his motives are, what his intentions are. But I also thought, well, this is just, you know, magical girly show. They just kind of do these things without really thinking yeah. about it anyway. So it's probably mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything. So I'm moving on and moving on. And then there's an episode where mommy is, has taken the girls into a labyrinth and she's about to kill a witch. Uh, oh, wait, did she take them or did? So Sayaka and Madoka are trying to go to the uh, hospital, see uh, Kamijo. Kamijo is not seeing anybody today, so they leave. And as they're leaving, they see a grief seed and the grief seed's about to hatch. That's what it was. So they get separated because Sayaka says, I'll stay here. Sayaka, go uh, get Kube mommy. Got it, got it, got and, it. And yeah, Ma- Madoka will go get mommy and then they do that. So then Sayaka's inside the witch's labyrinth. Madoka and mommy show up and then have to find her and then also find the witch too. Right. So mommy kind of inco- like holds up um, Homura, um, ties her up and says, you know, yes, she doesn't trust. Her, I don't want yeah. you to interfere. She does. I, yeah. I don't trust you. And Homura is trying to explain to her, like, you don't understand. This is different. Um, but she's like, I'll take care of this business and then we'll talk after I'm done. Mm-hmm. She goes in there, fights the witch, gets her trapped, does like her big uh, show, showy like move. And the Tiro th- finale. Yeah. yeah. So it's like so this cool. huge like <laughs> gun. And she's very like steampunk with the outfit and like the the choice Super of weapons. Cool. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Very neat. Definitely a theme. Can appreciate a good theme. Anyway, so the 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 witch isn't dead but kind of like extends out of itself into like this long wormy thing. And it's got like this cartoonish clown face and these sharp teeth. And I'm looking at the teeth and I'm like, Oh, that's kind of weird. I wonder what's going to happen next. (laughs) And then it literally bites her head off. So like, yeah, Mommy's and dead. it's not even really gory, but it is no, very but shocking. It's like mommy's <laughs> just standing there shocked because her 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 move didn't work. She's so shocked that she doesn't move out of the way, so she gets her head bitten off. And then after her body falls to the floor, it's like the witch finishes the job and like eats her. And I'm just looking and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it is dead silent during it's the so scene. It's <laughs> so quiet, and I'm like, did. <laughs> I was stunned, so I rewound Wild. it and was like, did I miss something or is she dead? Like, dead, dead. And <laughs> poor mommy is gone. <laughs> She's literally yes. just been, like, murdered in front of these poor girls' eyes. And then Cube is like, hurry up, make a wish, turn into a magical girl. And that's yeah. when I knew. I'm like, Cube, <laughs> there is something wrong with you. I'm yes. like, I do not trust you. You are a sneaky little thing, no matter how cute you look. I don't like this. And so, of course, um, when mommy dies, um, Homura's bindings come loose and she realizes what happened. She goes in, she saves the day. That was the turning point for me when all of this became very interesting. And I questioned that about myself because I was like, why does it take (laughs) the death of this poor character for me to be like, ooh, things are getting interesting now. But it was more than that. The show doesn't have stakes Exactly. So It It has interesting things and it's cutesy and it's a magical girl show, but there isn't a cost yet, which is kind of why people avoid the 
you know, genre because there isn't cost. Right. Even when they're in distress, you know that they're going to make it somehow. Yeah. And so for these girls, it's like a game changer because, and I actually loved that. And I didn't love it because mommy died. I loved it because throughout the episodes you were seeing before, mommy was making it look really easy. Hey, you can do it too. Da, 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 da. And mm-hmm. now these girls can see that the weight of their decision is literally life and death. Like it there is, is a life of fighting monsters. Yes. Like, and this is not, <laughs> you're not just going to have everything you need and mm-hmm. have this guarantee that you're going to make it out alive. That your decision yeah. is literally going to change your life. And I love that they did that in this show because I think it teaches young people and adults the same concept where it's like your decisions oftentimes, well, oftentimes we make decisions every day, you know, what shoes are we going to wear, what clothes are we going to wear, blah, blah, blah. But when it comes to certain decisions that especially when it involves like your family and your friends and other people in your life, like you're changing something about yourself. It's not just a quick snap decision, or at least it shouldn't be. Like there are just some decisions that should be taken more seriously, despite how another person might Mm -hmm. be trying to convince you that this is okay and that this isn't a big deal. It really is. And so um, I I think I think all of that together and even just learning a little bit more about Cube in that instance just kind of elevated the show for me, where I was like, this is more than just a magical girl, Sailor Moon. Sakura, mm-hmm. card capture, whatever. Like this is actually something very different. And I appreciated that. Yeah. And the wraparound to that is the drama in the first few episodes is like we can make a wish and anything will happen. We just then have to fight witches as magical girls. And then afterward, it really asserts the temptation. And I don't mean it in a negative way. It's just mm-hmm. the draw of like, yeah, but I could still make a wish and anything will happen. And like, yeah, I know I could get eaten by a witch just like mommy was. And I have to fight stuff and I might die every day, but I get this one wish. And so you go through episode four where Monica cries probably six times. (laughs) It's like, it's almost funny. Like I specifically remember watching it in Japanese at my house when I was at my parents and my mom from the other room is like, she keeps crying because <laughs> that's all she hears. Yeah, but, it's, <laughs> but it makes sense. Like she yes, literally just yeah. witnessed something so horrific. I actually, yeah. I went back to the text that I sent you and <laughs> I'm laughing at myself. <laughs> I, I'm like, you texted me something and then I answered. And then I said, on a different note, dot, dot, dot. That creepy clown thing bit mommy's head off. <laughs> I did not <laughs> yeah, expect yeah. that. Yeah, everybody loses their head over that. Yeah, it was really intense. But I mean, it's definitely an attention grabber for sure. And and of course, Monica's response. And I and I liked that that they didn't just get over it like you do with other no. animes. Like no, when something don't. bad happens, it's like they for whatever reason you moved on from this very quickly. Um, but they actually take that time to see like how it's negatively affecting her. And then all the things that happen after that, Monica has these very real 15 year old reactions to these things. Mm-hmm. These things are scary. These things are, are intense. It makes sense that you're not sure what to do next. And it also makes sense that you make mistakes along the way that you're just, you're, you're trying to just do what's right. And it's just not clear in that moment yet. So yeah, no, I just I, I thought that was definitely the the turning point for me for sure. So as the show develops, you're not only just finding out that like 
characters can definitely die and witches are extremely dangerous. You're also learning that like when you make this wish, your perspective on life might change or the results of your wish may not turn out the way you wanted and not in a monkey paw, like a uh, genie kind of way, but more in a literal, like what you wished for may not be what you wanted. And so mm. ironically, the show is very much like stalker um, in that, like the stalker, one of the big amazing things about stalker is you can go to this room that'll give you your desire. But what if you go there and you leave and the reason you went when you leave, it's not the desire that you would most wanted. Like the room actually could read your heart better than you could. And so now you're filled with grief because you went there to save your brother. But when you left, you got rich. And mm. so like, there is something really interesting about how like, uh, like I think the next development is Sayaka becomes a magical girl. And she specifically wishes that Kamijo, who used to be a violinist who got into an accident and therefore will never play music again, um, she wishes that Kamijo is healed and he is. And so now Saika is like, I can now like fight monsters and I'll pursue him because she's also interested in Kamijo. Yeah. And that's the thing that I thought was interesting too, is that sometimes with the wishes that we have, even if they're for other people, there can be this, like, not every time, of course, but there are oftentimes like this yes. ulterior motive yes. to, to mm-hmm. what you want. So for Saika, she had hit a point where, he didn't want to see anybody at that point. And she wanted to, to, to he was be so with distraught. Him. Yeah. He was so, he was, he was probably falling into like depression, you know, like that playing the violin, any musician will understand this feeling. Like if you've, if you've done this for your whole life, it's, it's become part of who you are. It's become part of not your whole identity, but I don't, at least I'd hope not. Um, but it's an aspect of your identity that just feels so ingrained that when it's taken away, you start to question who you are and how to move forward. And I think for him, he was just so sad. He didn't want to talk to anybody. The music she thought would like bring him joy ends up just making it worse because it's like, it's like something that you love so much as you're being constantly reminded of how you'll never be able to do it ever again. Yes. And so she, she was just, she wanted to save him. She won. And I think that that was true that she did care about him, but him being better also meant that she would have more of a chance to, be with him. And so, which then makes what happens later just so jarring and just so, so sad. And so I did find myself um, emotionally invested in certain characters, but interestingly enough, if I think about it now, I think I find myself more sympathizing with and and more connected to Sayaka than, um, than Madoka or, or any of the other characters, just because I like her character in, and just kind of this transformation that takes place and just, and yes, it is sad towards the end what happens, but I can understand where she's coming from and how she had um, what she thought was a pure desire. But then when her needs are not met, everything just kind of spirals downward. Hey, don't forget. There's a lot of fun content missing from this episode because you're not listening on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support for $3 a month to gain access to uncut episodes with upwards of 40 minutes of bonus content each. You'll thank me later. Um, and I and I know that you had notes to kind of, I don't know if this would be like a good segue to kind of talk about 
her character and just this other shocking realization that we find out later in the show. This is a way like mommy might be gone, but not forgotten uh, because her words continue and like her influence continues and that she's like, are you trying to satisfy the wishes of someone else so that they'll be grateful to you? Mm. And so now like this thing that is a selfless thing to give up your wish for somebody else. Yeah. It is showing a selfishness that is both sensible because she wants to give and receive with this person mm-hmm. but where, her, where she fails is she like she fails to muster up the courage to be honest with Kami Joe and share with them and um that opens up the problem uh well not problem the problem for Sayaka but it's not wrong although debatable about the the kindness of this friendship where her friend who is not a magical girl uh, Hitomi meets with her and says like, hey, I've had feelings for Kami Joe, and I know that Sayaka, you have spent a lot of time with him. Uh, I want to give you a day to think about this before I meet with him. And if you decide that you want to pursue him, uh, I will back away, but I need you to know this. And I think- I yeah, thought that I was very mature. Extremely mature. Very it's, mature of her, because I've, I've heard stories of- Yes, yeah, some people will just- Some people (laughs) just like going behind someone else's back because they're like, I want to be with that person. And I was like, dang, that's messed up. So just to see her do that, I thought was like, that's such a sweet sweet thing for a friend to do. Yeah. It's a softer way to make your interests known that are also potentially like in contrast to someone else's interests. Yeah. Um, Even so, it ends up being something where Saika uh, does not initiate towards Kami Joe. And so now she starts to despair and fall apart. And she's trying to like reject this thing and she feels shame over her wish and all these things. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, and, and it's to, so sad. It's so sad. But to <laughs> add to that, it, there's also this other element where she feels like she can't because of what's happened to her. Yes, that's right. So that's also like that? a big piece. Yeah. So what happens is there's an episode where they have already met another magical girl. Can you remind me of her name, please? Kyoko Sakura, the best character. Kyoko. Thank you. So she's she's very fun. Always eating. Um, but so thin, it's very typical. (laughs) (laughs) That's like, of course we, I, I can think of like, I wonder if it's the magic because they could probably use magic. Probably. But I I also know know a ton of like young teenage girls (laughs) who are just very skinny, but they eat a lot because they're just at that age where it's like not accumulating. Not the case for everyone, but I know a lot of girls are like that. So uh, anyway, uh, so Kyoko and Sayaka, for whatever reason, you can watch the show if you want to find out, are going to battle it out. And um, Madoka just doesn't want them fighting anymore. She just cares so much about her friend. She's like, I'm just going to do something crazy. Cause her mom gave her like some speech that I didn't think was like the best <laughs> advice, but anyway, it's like the one part that's so that's nutty, either- but it's also like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> so she decides like, I'm just going to do something drastic and I hope that it helps my friend. She takes, so when, when you become a magical girl, you have something called a soul gem that like, is like, mm-hmm. it's like where you get your power from. So she grabs Sayaka's um, soul gem and like throws it off the bridge. And she thinks, oh, if she doesn't have her soul gem, she can't transform and then there won't be a fight and then everything will be fine. But then Sayaka literally just falls over 
And when Kyoko checks her out, she's like, oh my gosh, she's dead. And Homura, who was there, vanishes to chase out yes, the soul gem. So she's trying gem. to catch up because right. she knows what's, you, she knows what's up. She knows what's up. Yeah. And you find out that when you become a magical girl, your soul, your very essence is placed within this soul gem. So mm. your body no longer is really your body, but it's a it's a shell where your soul can reside. But it, mm. what is it about a, a hundred meters? What's the distance? It's like roughly a hundred meters is what was tested yeah, by other characters if, and stuff. Yes. So if your soul gem is that far from your body, your soul will then be trapped in the soul gem, and your body will just collapse because you're mm-hmm. the it's it's literally just a shell. So yeah. Saika described it very aptly. So she's like, so basically I'm a zombie. And I was like, yeah, that, that yeah. sounds about right. <laughs> so, yeah. And it's, and what I love is that again, it's not something that they just quickly move on from like, Oh, I guess this is okay. Cause Cubay's rationality was that the body is such a fragile thing, but to put your soul in the soul gem, your body will be able to take a lot more hits and recover better so it'll make you a more mm. efficient fighter, not realizing that he has taken something from them that is very precious. Their their bodies are no longer their own, which I know that, um, yes. Melvin, you had a really interesting point about that. Yeah, I whenever I like first watched the show, this was one of the parts where like I didn't quite get the the metaphor of the of the fiction that was being made until recently, where like. When Sayaka becomes a magical girl, they do a flashback to show the event. And it's she's on a rooftop and Kyubei's there and Kyubei's like ears like open up. <laughs> so they don't open, they just like become like hands. And his line, at least in the translation I have for my uh, Blu-rays, it says like, uh, now open yourself up and let me into you. And then the soul gem is created. And I was like, that's some very poignant words <laughs> for a character who is yeah. am- who is very uh, non-gendered, but sounds male, um, to to say. And then for this particular arc, for Sayaka to then be like, I'm not human anymore. She's like, my body's not my body anymore. Which, like, my wife was like, that's literally what people will say after, like, that's how they feel after they've been assaulted. And mm-hmm. so, like for her to want to pursue this uh, this this young boy and then now feel super ashamed because she was tricked into this thing, it mm. continues to build Kyubei into like the the Harvey Weinstein of magical girls where Ugh. he is tricking these people yeah. into this favor of fighting magical girls, which only gets worse as the series continues. Exactly. Um, uh, which like, yeah, and so... We've we've also been set up that like magical girls and their soul gem will get tarnished over time as they use magic. So then when you fight a witch and you defeat it, you get a grief seed and the grief seed can be used to take some of the impurities out of your soul gem. And then Kyubei eats the grief seed. Later in the show, we then find out because Sayaka has fallen so much into despair. um, She has uh, rejected her wish. She specifically said she was trying to save everybody, but then she has this 
horrible traumatic experience on a train where she overhears two men talking horribly about women and she oh, just stands up and so says gross. like she's like tell me why i should save you and they're like what do you mean and she's like tell me why right now i should save your lives mm. and they're they can't answer her because they're terrible human beings and so she turns into a witch um and we find out that magical girls when they despair turn into witches and in the logic of the story it's less so much that they it, it's more correlated specifically to like your wish is your, um, I've never pronounced this French phrase right, but ra- your raison uh, d'etre, or de- d'etre uh, your purpose for living. Your wish has been devoted into your purpose for living, and then you've rejected your purpose for living, and that turns you into a witch. Mm. And so it's very much a metaphor for like people who have very rigid thinking and refuse to adapt or grow and mature and change their thinking, of which you can do, uh, but it is fiction, so it's got to be interesting. Um, so we learn that magical girls turn into witches, and then when you kill the witch, you get a grief seed because their soul gem turned into a grief seed. And so now the fiction of Kyubei, make a wish and I'll turn you into a magic girl to fight witches, which then you will eventually turn into a witch. So Kyubei will then have you, like, the big question is, why does this happen? Yeah. And we then learn that Kyubei is part of a foreign alien race of which there apparently are thousands of millions in the universe. The human humans just haven't connected with any of them yet. Cuba is part of a race that recognizes that entropy is the primary problem of the universe, that all things collapse and die, and therefore the end will inevitably happen. So Cuba's race, uh, which is like a hive mind race, has created a system where they can take uh, human emotions and convert it into energy. And the reason is because the human emotions it takes to create a person and the human emotions it takes for that person to die are not equivalent to the human emotions experienced in the life that they have. He would, he's saying that the energy of human emotions that's created during that lifetime will far exceed either end. And therefore, they've created a system that will make it possible to harvest this energy. So begins the fiction and flavor of this world, which is we then make uh, young girls become magical girls because the energy created from their wishes and their dreams is so powerful that they can harvest it. And then the energy created from when their dreams collapse. It's also so, so strong. <laughs> so, uh, which I believe this is scientifically true. Not that you can create energy from human emotions and magical no. girls are saving us every day. Although that would be kind of awesome. But <laughs> um, I guess it would be hard to sleep because there'd be so much battle noises outside. But I believe I've heard that it is like that age for young girls is the single most like emotionally distraught stage of like human development. Hmm. Um, so that's why like narratively they choose it. Plus they also choose it because it's magical girls. So why not? I would agree with the the statement that you said before that I think for a lot of young girls, this is, um, I think there is there, this is a very sensitive age where you're just feeling a lot of things, new things are happening, not just outside of you, but inside of you. So there's just a lot of joys. Like there's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs. And so Sometimes you just you don't even you're not even sure why you just might just feel different mm-hmm. from day to day. But what was interesting for me is that the Saika's transformation to the witch was something that I was like, I think this is going to happen. So like even before she actually transformed into a witch, I had there's like this scene where she becomes a magical girl and then she just starts going 
crazy <laughs> killing this one nuts. witch. <laughs> and I'm just like, she's kind of not herself right now. And then I mm-hmm. had this thought, I'm like, oh, what if the magical girls are witches? I'm like, what if, what if this something happened? <laughs> so there was like a, a shadow of a thought. And then it was confirmed in that episode that you described where she asked those men, like, why should I save you? I was like, oh, snap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this yeah, is you're like, crazy. <laughs> which is, which is why I feel like wisdom when making decisions is so important. It's like, they should have asked Kube a lot more questions because he doesn't lie to them. Well, he lies through omitting, through omitting the truth, which is also terrible. That being said, I just wanted to add that to the conversation. Um, Actually, no, he does lie. He he stands by his neutral position. Oh, when does he lie? Um, later on, he like Homer uh, will ask. So when Saika turns into a witch, some of the characters, Madoka and Kyoko, believe it might be possible to bring her back. So they right. go and try, and they can't. And Kyoko sacrifices herself yes. to kill Saika, the witch version. And so now they're gone. So now it's just Homer and Madoka left. Uh, this is when the how far we've come uh, experience starts to really hit when you're right. like, wow, this cast is really thinned out. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, Homer at one point just asks, asks Hube, like, would it have even been possible? And Hubei's like, no, but for the purposes of like creating the energy and stuff, like it was important for me to omit the information. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Homer has been a mystery the entire show. Right. Um, we don't know why Homer is so interested in Monica. We don't know why she's preventing it. We do think at one point it's because we learn that because magical girls have to feed off of grief seeds to, pr- to to purify their soul gems, there's not an infinite number of witches. And so magical girls might fight each other for territory because they say like, hey, like this is my city. I get these witches. If you come into my city and try to take these witches, I will fight you for your grief seeds or I'll kill right. you. And so they think like Homer might be trying to prevent Monica because Kyubei keeps talking and saying, Madoka, if you become a magical girl, you will probably be the most powerful magical girl. Something about you makes you potential for that. And then finally, now Kyubei says, like, I've learned what you are. Uh, you're a time traveler. That's your power. Um, we actually learned this yes. a little earlier. But <laughs> right. he's trying to then trap Homura because we didn't mention this. Uh, but the whole time, there's this thing called the Valpurgis Knot, which is the... Night of the Witches, which is a single powerful witch, which is uh, lore-wise is a collection of multiple witches that creates one witch that is so powerful, it doesn't need a labyrinth to manifest. And just by its manifestation, it could kill thousands of people. And witches cannot be seen by people. So whenever a natural disaster happens in this world, it's probably the uh, Walpurgis knot. So Cuba has been trying to trap, uh, to try to diminish the amount of magical girls so that Madoka has to make the wish because he also sees it'll be useful. So sometimes he will lie. Oh, um, I mean, and then eventually he like, will tell the truth, but that is true. I forgot about that happening. Yeah. Yeah. So with Homura, he's sneaky. Oh, he's terrible. <laughs> I hate he's that worse. thing. He's so bad. <laughs> um, but so he's also really cute. <laughs> he's cute. And, and that's the, that's the, you know, wolf in sheep's clothing, you know, like mm-hmm. you're just, ugh. anyway, um, so with Homura, you find out that she is a time traveler. So her story yes. is that she was from, and is it is it accurate to say this is the original timeline, or just her original? The her- tenth episode opens with like whatever the prime timeline you could say is right. The, um, the, the, where it opens with the first time she meets, yeah, she meets everybody. She meets Madoka and uh, Sayaka and the others. So she become, she's like a new student at the school. 
very timid, becomes a magical girl after being saved from a witch by Madoka and Mommy. Yeah, that's yes, when the song so. comes back and you're like, yeah. yes, yeah. <laughs> there she is again. Yeah, so um, so in this prime time, um, Madoka is already a magical girl. So is Mommy. They're fighting, you know, witches together. Oh, so she doesn't become a magical girl just yet. It's that the first timeline, she meets them, she's saved by them. And then Walpurgis not happens. She doesn't become a magical girl in that one? No, she does, but it's at the end. Because Walpurgis not happens, uh, Mommy is dead, Monica says, I'm going to go kill Walpurgis not, and Homer is like, you can't, you'll die. And then she makes the wish, okay. But then Monica does die, but she kills Walpurgis not and lives. And Homer is so grieved, and she hasn't made a wish yet. And Kyubei's like, you can change this if you want. So then Homura says, uh, I want to redo my meeting with Madoka, except this time I want to protect her. So then it causes her to go back in time. She's now a magical girl. She sheepishly introduces herself to Madoka publicly saying, I'm a magical girl too. We can be magical girls together yeah. in front of the whole class, which is really funny. Um, but then, yeah, that's when... Uh, she starts training. Yeah, she starts training. And it's just this, just to save time, just this montage of she's getting better at being a magical girl and her technique is getting better. But each time she's just not able to save Madoka. Yeah. This massive witch still still comes. They She's fighting her in all these different ways and it just doesn't work. And then at one point, Madoka, I'm, and again, you can clarify this. I don't know if she says she it's a wish that she has, but she's kind of like, I wonder what my life would have been like if I hadn't become a magical girl. There's definitely illusion that there's multiple timelines, but the the main ones we see is when Homer turns into a magical girl. It's that then they see one of them turns into a witch and then uh, it's just the two of them left. They see that one of the group of girls turns into a witch and then it's just Madoka and Homer are left. They end up fighting Walpurgis not and they're both about to die. But they, because uh, their grief, their soul gems are totally corrupted, and then there's no grief seeds left. So they fantasize about just turning into witches and destroying the world. Madoka was lying. She does have a grief seed, and she uses it on Homura, and Homura panics and is like, "Why didn't you use it on yourself?" Madoka then says, "In that moment, since you can go back in time, please go back in time and prevent me from ever turning into a magical girl. Because if I knew that I turned into a witch, I wouldn't." want this right which gets you the most tragic of the backstories because that's when Madoka then says also before you do it please kill me <laughs> so she shoots her soul gem it's so sad yeah <laughs> no so that tragic. that part that part was just really really rough for sure <laughs> then immediately Homer goes back in time um and now she's like I gotta tell everybody we're all turning to witches none of them believe uh her and uh she just can't save Madoka. She cannot figure it out. Uh, yeah. And then at some point, Madoka turns into a witch um, because she Ma- Homura had successfully kept Madoka from turning into a magical girl until the timeline that we actually saw was the action sequence in the very beginning of the show. Madoka becomes a magical girl, kills Walpurgis not, but because she killed her most like uh, opposed enemy, like that's why she became a magical girl. She immediately turns into a witch, and it's such a powerful witch. It's like you don't even need to, you just see this giant like smoke pillar into yeah. the sky. It's above the clouds, and QB is just like, "Wow, that was amazing! So much energy." Okay, we guess we leave Earth now, and then Homer gets up and just immediately turns back time, 
And so now we're learning that Madoka, if she does become a magical girl, won't just be like, won't just, Homura won't just fail, but then Madoka will turn into a witch, which then will destroy the planet. And yeah. it's such a powerful thing. But then we learn that the entire reason this is possible is because Homura has been going back in time so many times, canonically about 40 years has been living the same month that because of this, uh, the reason a magical girl can have power is because when Kyubei offers the wish, there's a thing called karmic destiny, which is to say, if you were to live your life currently without the wish, you would influence this much people. And because of that, if you make this wish, uh, it'll be more powerful because you have influence. And Kyubei had always been like, why does Madoka have the most karmic destiny if she's just like a 14 year old schoolgirl with, with no talents or friends, like only like one or two friends. Right. Um, and it's because since Homer has been going back in time and literally preventing time from moving forward for thousands of timelines, if Madoka can just become a magical girl and if Homura can stop, then all of that energy can finally be funneled and just will be, that's why she's so powerful. So Homura inadvertently has made Madoka so much more powerful and attractive to Kyubei which then makes the problem so much more difficult, which then means the most tragic trap in the end of the show is Homura has to keep doing this timeline or else Madoka will definitely become a magical girl because Kyubei will not let that get away. Right. Uh, Homura will not let Madoka die because Homura clearly loves Madoka, so she's going to continue to try and keep her alive. Homura, if she gives up, will turn into a witch. And because of her karmic destiny, could also probably be just as powerful and right. damaging. So it will kill Madoka. Yeah. And then if she fails, Madoka will turn into a witch and kill everything. So now Homura is just like, I have to do this for the rest of my life existence forever because I can't die. <laughs> so it's like, right. it's the craziest trap. And it's like, you really... I don't know about you, but I feel this every time getting to the end of the show. I definitely felt it the first time watching it that you're just like, what do you, what do you do? <laughs> you you right. just go back in time and do it again? Like <laughs> It just feels really hopeless. And it, I, I'll be honest, watching it for the first time, it is a little bit confusing. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely think that would be something I would need to watch at least. And like I would have needed to watch at least one or two more times in order to get all of that. And for, for those of you that haven't seen this show before, it's probably a little bit confusing just kind of hearing it, but, um, watch the show. Yeah. Watch what are show. you doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and I, and I think you still got to... one thing at the end of the show you don't know about. That's so awesome. Just right. watch it now. <laughs> just watch the show. Um, cause it's, it's good. And, uh, I, I felt like, but I liked that. I liked that it, it seemed like there was no hope because I think when it, when it feels like, oh, I already know this is going to work out and everything's going to be great. Again, if there are no stakes, it, it makes the show a little bit less interesting. So to yes. kind of see that and to have this very intricate trap. I feel like I can appreciate it more because it 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 makes the story more interesting. And it's self-made. Like Homura, yeah, it's not just like this trap, but she like inadvertently has now done it to herself. Yeah. So it just makes the drama so much thicker. Yeah. It's like terrific. And I think the lesson learned is um, don't time travel. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's what the show's about. <laughs> that's the lesson. That's all you that's all you need to take from any of this. No, but um I, I do think there is just something to be said about her character, how she's just very um she just can't let go and move on. And I think Well the that whole show is like about like 
your inability to 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 be content in reality which is yes. why the hard side character of Monica's mother is so much better every time i watch the show because she stands as a content powerful woman who did not need to make a wish to get what right. she wanted <laughs> like she yes. was able to no absolutely like, yeah it's, it's and it's so interesting because she only shows up a couple times, including a conversation at the end in like the last episode or the second to last episode. She's just an inch, entire contrast to these young girls um, because she's this mature, I've grown up person. It's amazing. Yeah. No, I and I and hearing you talk about it, I definitely think that that is a really, really good point. I, I always forget about her mom. Sadly. Yeah, she stands out every time I watch more. She's such a funny she stands out and it's just like I in this moment though I, I did forget about her. But that's true. She's she's someone who's very confident, is able to get what she doesn't always give the best advice. <laughs> but But maybe that's okay. You sometimes yeah, no, you gotta just live right. in reality and stop wishing for some fantasy world. Um Exactly. But, and I think just exercising yeah. I think also just exercising wisdom, I think is just really, really important because you have, you just have these, these young girls who are just very naive and are very trusting. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think just, it's also a lesson to, yeah, just exercising wisdom whenever anyone presents you with anything, feel free and comfortable to ask questions. Yes. You know, especially, (laughs) (laughs) yes, there is, there is no rush. And I, and I especially just think about being in relationships with people. Um, so if there are things that are coming up that are questionable, it's like, it shouldn't even be like a, like, I'm sorry, but for me, if I would have seen mommy die, I would have been done. (laughs) D-O-N-E done. (laughs) I've been like, you know what? This isn't for me. I'm going to pretend like none of this ever happened. But no. Anything. Like, (sighs) that. I mean, I I, I get their motivation. And this isn't me. Like, there's no criticism for living a good life, but that might also just mean you're living a pretty good life right now. It could be. But, like, maybe it could be. Like, I'm. But it also shows how sly Kive is that he could just be finding people who are in poverty. And And he is incessant. He's so pushy. Hey there, listener. Want to influence the podcast? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support the show for $3 a month. In doing so, you'll be able to vote on a movie poll that picks a film we discuss each month. So jump on over there and have your voice heard. Yeah, and the, the climax of this show is Monica finally has figured out her wish, um, mm-hmm. which is Homura for her is like, this is the worst thing. But Monica says, please just trust me. And she wishes that she would take on all the curses herself. She's like, I don't want witches to exist anymore. I want to take on the curses um, myself and just dest- and destroy them. And Kyubei's like, if you do this, you'll become a god. And Madoka's like, I don't care what I'll be. I just want everyone to be happy. It's so sweet. And um, she, yeah, the final episode is basically just one crazy trip where like uh, Madoka is now, her wish is being fulfilled. Homura witnesses as the universe is being reconstructed because this new law has been introduced because now the curses that would be created by a magical girl despairing are being taken on by Madoka. 
We then think that that means Madoka's own curses are going to now take over because that's what happens. Magical girls turn into witches. But Madoka's wish is so powerful that she's able to take on her own curses. And uh, yeah, now magical girls don't turn into witches. They yeah. just convert. They just die. They die peacefully. Yeah. Um, they still get their wish. They get to save people. And then they die. And it's like, that's kind of beautiful. It's still sad. <laughs> yeah. Because they show the new timeline where this is true. Oh, and Madoka now will cease to exist. Like she will completely not just not, she will now exist as a law, not a person. Any existence of her will vanish. Any memory of her will vanish because she's never existed. And Homer is like, but then I'll forget you. Everything ever done, I will never remember. And then Madoka says, you're talking to me while the world's being reconstructed. So that's a miracle. And also the most beautiful thing happens, which is Madoka says, in the timeline you met me in, I didn't know anything you'd done for me, but now as I am now, I know everything you've ever done for me and I know how much you've cared about me and now you can rest. And Homura has like, the voice, I'm like going to cry. The voice mm. acting is so sweet as Homura just basically cries the most relieving cry she's ever had of like, I don't have to do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and now Monica will care for me. It's so sweet. Um, and then, yeah, we see like a resolution of like this new world where, Homura is afraid she won't remember her because Madoka doesn't exist, but then she does. And so now Homura is the only person who knows what Madoka's done. Uh, magical girls still exist and fight curses, which now manifest as wraiths, and they still die. They they don't know why. Uh, yeah, it's how do you feel about the ending? Um, like with it now out, and then obviously we'll get into rebellion in a minute because that changes a lot more, but. Yes, it does. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I um I really I having had time to like sit with it and think about it, I do actually like the ending because I feel like it really was the only option that would mm-hmm. work out for everybody. Um and what I love about it is that unlike uh and we've talked about this and you mentioned this before, that unlike Sayaka's wish where yes, she was doing something for someone, but there was something else that she wanted from it to benefit from it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, her, uh, Monica's wish was completely sacrificial. Like there was nothing in it for her where she would be able to have her own life still. Like she completely yes. denied herself and any true benefit that she would receive. If anything, she's just giving, giving and giving to mm-hmm. all the magical, magical girls so that they don't have to meet the same fate that her friend did. And I think that for poor, I mean, this is going to lead into rebellion, but for poor Homura, I think it would have almost been better had she not remembered. Yes. You Uh, know what I mean? Like, I think it was, (laughs) while it seems like, oh, that's so sweet. She's going to remember if, and in point of fact, it's actually probably the worst thing that could have happened because to hold all those memories within yourself and literally have no one to process it with, no one to talk to, no one to really um, bond with, like you're just on the outside because you're the only one that remembers all of these other things. And that timeline that she was going back and forth, like again and again, that was, that was like what, 40 years. It was like 40 years. That's why like at some point she can just be like, don't do that. It's dangerous because she's probably been in a timeline where that character has gone there and died. Exactly. And it's, it's such a huge responsibility (laughs) and to be 15, for 40 years. For 40 years. <laughs> to like, sounds so terrible. That sounds horrible. <laughs> Nothing to 15 year olds, but I'm sure they would agree with me. It's like, I just want to grow up and move on from this phase of my life. 
I can imagine Homura having similar feelings where it's like, I am, I am a grown woman on the inside, but on the outside, I'm, I'm leading this teenage life with all of these memories. It'll mess anybody up. And so, mm-hmm. um, we see a lot of that in the movie rebellion. Um, but yeah, so rebellion doesn't really need like a summary for the emotional experience. Cause by this point you're now, you know what you're going to get because it's, it's a Madoka movie. Right. And yet you then start the movie and you have no idea what's going on, but basically it's a mystery box. And we already kind of talked about the general experience of the show, but most importantly, if you've seen the movie, you want to hear us talk about the ending and what we think about it. Um, yeah. Because it turns out in the whole movie, Homura was turning into a witch, but prevented from becoming a witch. And the characters had come to, save her Madoka is the law of causality was coming to save her and bring her into basically magical girl Valhalla. And then as she's doing this, because Homura was incubated for so long as a witch perpetually growing in, in despair and power. Um, the, one of the greatest lines I think from the whole show or property is when Ma, uh, Kyube says, we essentially made you an egg that grew and couldn't, uh, you, you were a chicken that grew inside of the egg and couldn't hatch. Right. Um, and it's like, well, just like a horribly horrible trap of an image of an image. And, um, because of this power, Homura, it turns out, um, she's been waiting for Madoka to come to her and has now resolved herself to grab Madoka and with her power, rem- essentially take away her deity godlike powers that she's now gotten and bring her back, which because of this power, it's so strong. It does it again. It recreates the whole world. And now it's created it to with outside of the law of, uh, of these uh, magical girls passing away. Um, they do not turn into witches, it seems, um, because they talk about wraiths still existing in this new world. But now Homura has turned into basically the devil. <laughs> she literally yeah, she says, I guess I've turned a into demon. a demon. Yeah. Because she says she's done this because of the love she has for Madoka, of which we know it's like, no, you're the single, you're the one character who has not grown up. <laughs> um, even like, so Saika and Nagisa, who is the witch who is the magical girl who turned into the witch that killed mommy in the uh, timeline from the show um, have all are now able to use their witch powers. And so the metaphorical imagery is that like these characters have now grown in contentment and maturity about themselves, their, their wishes, their despairs, and have now kind of found a unity in that. And Homer is the one who continues to push off this despair and will not accept reality of like Madoka has made her decision and uh, yeah. separates it. Uh, I can say when I saw this in theaters, like a, uh, it was an immediate conversation piece on the ride home. We were just talking about like Homura has the character of Homura seems to have changed in a way. And yet I would say that now I'd say Homura has not changed at all. Um, she is right. still trying to get that world where she is protecting Madoka um, and not letting Monica be her own person. Uh, it makes this movie extremely conflicting. I think it's great. I have constantly flipped on it. I think it's great. And then I go, I don't know about that any, I think it's great. I don't know. about. I'm at the point right now. I think it's brilliant and clever. I think the movie simultaneously um, gives fans what they want, which are specifically like people always geeked about what, what happens if Homer and mommy fight. They got it in this movie. It's awesome. Um, uh, they have uh, Kyoko and Saika are best friends. They'd probably be roommates. They are. <laughs> uh, and like, it's all in a fantasy world that Homer has made. So it's literally 
ironic in that way that it's the fantasy world that people have made up. Um, and there's so mommy being friends with the witch that killed her literally is in the movie. So it's like, it's got so much cleverness. So for me, I think I like it. I'm really excited to see where it goes. I think if the next movie develops into like really the assertion of maturity, um, and knowing that you can change like that you, when you grow up, the dreams you wanted as a kid are not the dreams you have as an adult. Uh, the friends you had as a kid are not always the friends you have an adult. I would love if the next movie is they're all just older. I know they'd be magical girls. Give it like three years and just have their interests be different. Maybe Sayaka doesn't even like orchestra stuff anymore. Or mm. Kyoko finally isn't homeless and really likes having a house or something. I don't know. That'd be silly. Yeah. But stuff like that is what I'd want. Yeah. But, but what do you, uh, how do you, how are you processing this ending and what would you want for the next stuff? So I think the next movie is this year or next year. So I don't know. But yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I um, I thought that the ending was sad but understandable for Homura and all the stuff that she was going through. Um, and just, again, that inability to let go. Um, she yes. just she she can't allow whatever whatever is supposed to happen or what whatever has happened to just let it happen. Mm -hmm. You know, she feels like I have this ability, which is a complete curse, you know, of going back in time. I'm going to just try to fix it and do it again and again and again. And I can sympathize with her. Like if I had a time machine where I could go back and fix something, I feel like that would be a strong temptation. If I had a loved yes. one that passed away, of course I would want to go back and, and, and save them because I love them and I miss them. But the problem and the consequence of that action is that you're literally wrecking everything else. And yes. um, so she's literally rewriting the universe just so that she can hold on to her friendship with Monica, not realizing that her desire to keep them together as friends is going to be the very thing that rips them apart and makes them enemies because there's still something within Madoka that has that power, but it's like Homura is trying to suppress it. Yes. Knowing yeah. that if Madoka does remember her past life and does come back into her power again, that they're not going to be on the same side anymore. They're going to be enemies. And so the very thing that she wanted is, is, is not going to happen. Eventually it's going to be ripped from her and it's going to be really, really terrible. And so I think I would just be very interested in seeing how all of that plays out. I would love for there to be some type of redemption for Homura. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I think I, I would to. really, really love to see that because everything that she's doing isn't coming from a place where she's a, she is a malicious villain it's like oh i hate everybody i'm just i'm here to destroy the world you know she's coming from a place of pain of loss of loneliness and these are all things that we can sympathize with um it doesn't excuse her actions but it makes it makes her actions uh it makes her as a person or as this character more understandable and so um i think that's what i would like to see um, I honestly can't even say if there's anything else that I would want to, cause I just don't know a lot about this franchise still. There's a lot of things that are still new to me. Um, so I think I would just love to see Homura have some type of, um, redemption. And I would love for somehow, um, Madoka to, to not have to do what she did. 
And I know that's like, it's like I sacrificed myself, but now I'm sure. taking it back. But I get but if, it. Yeah. But if there was some way where she didn't have to make that decision, but she could come back to the life that she once had, I think would be just really, really great. But you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. And I, I would be very interested to to see the next movie for sure. Yeah. I really want like something there, there has to be something where like, yeah, she's Homer is then saved, but in a way in which she also like the problem is totally internal. And I would love to see her like mature. Cause she is an extremely compelling character um, yeah. as like one who is, borderline insane and yet also like really emotional because yeah. at this point at the end of the movie she's like i am the idea of evil <laughs> and it like it shows the image of shoes off a rooftop which like is the imagery of suicide and so like it's um it's super crazy but then there's after the credits of the film there's like this weird artsy depiction of like everything in this world is like half gone and so there's almost like this feeling in which homer is like i've done it uh, but almost like cynically, like I've done it and half of me is missing and the world is empty and, and like, I'm not next to, I'm not with the one I want. I didn't get what I want. I wanted to save Monica to be with Monica, but I can't be with her because of my decisions. And so, yeah, I, I think it's as I like have now gotten older and just think of like how I've changed on my hopes and dreams and stuff and my interests, like that's kind of where I hope the show goes. Cause I think it's, I, it seemed like that's what Rebellion was doing with like the other characters and how they matured. Monica was just the first one to get there and just kind of be like selflessly giving up. So, right. uh, yeah, I'm glad we did this because I love this. <laughs> so thank you for enduring not only several <laughs> weeks of me going, you gotta watch it. It's so good. Yeah. But also we're doing it on the show. So you gotta, <laughs> but, right, so but you also, <laughs> but also enduring a two and a half hour episode again, of which I specifically said, we probably would not. We will. Do and you were very particular. You were very specific. You said not two and a half hours. We're, we're not going to do that. Again. I really thought it wasn't going to be, but here we are. So, uh, that's right. of a, as of the raw recording, but you who listen to it on the podcast, probably only an hour and 20 minutes. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. I don't know how let's talk. And so bye. <laughs> See, <ya. laughs> See you next time. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of cinematic doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, cinematic doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.